Welcome to the Realize Today podcast. I have my buddy Jeff here with me. And, uh, you know, I met Jeff about a month ago. Feels like we've known each other yeah. much longer than that. Our paths were overlapping for a long time, but we just didn't know that we were both. <laughs> exactly. So we met, you know, um, hit it off. I was really attracted to his energy at the beginning. And then, you know, after meeting him at the party, I saw some of his work online. Um, and, you know, the way that he wrote um, really, really spoke to me um, and got to, got to know him a lot more since then. Got the urge to invite him on the podcast because we've had so many beautiful conversations. So welcome, Jeff. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Tommy. Really good to be here. Beautiful day getting down here. Beautiful few days. Looking forward to this. Energetically preparing. Um, st stoked to be here. It's been a beautiful summer in Austin. Um, it's a beautiful time in, in the world. It's a strange time in the world. Everyone is very online and very anxious. And it's hard to find peace, but I think we've both taken a lot of strides to get there. And I continue to be shocked with how young you are and how far along you are. And uh, yeah, just really lucky, right? It's, I remember the night I met you, it's like, I moved to Austin for, for exactly this. This is why I came here, for these kinds of chance run-ins that then turn into something more. And a chance to be mutually beneficial and remember everything, right? Here we have Yellowstone, the restless giant, <laughs> bison. Like I've been to Yellowstone. I think I was, I was younger than you were. I, I was, yeah, 2010, I did a road trip. Mm -hmm. I was born in 86. So I was at 24. I've actually never been there. It's, it's on my list. It's, it's high up there though. But um, yeah, so you mentioned coming to Austin and mm -hmm. uh, first of all, yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate that, you know. Um, and likewise with all of that, man. And so you've been here about three months now. Um, no, I, I got here in March. So if I'm in mm -hmm. July, August, I, I think I crossed five months yesterday. It was mm -hmm. March 21st. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I think it was August 21st. And mm -hmm. so it's been now five months since I flew here one way from SFO, San Francisco. Uh, and what's that been like being in Austin at this time now? It... There was like a six-week period I would call being depressed for no real good reason. Um, I came to Austin much like I've moved to New York before. Of, It's a chance to put together everything that I've been working on and put myself in a position where I, my only way out and only way forward is to combine it in a unique, original, undeniable way and... Somehow, while doing that and through doing that, do enough things in order to stay here. So that involves paying rent and eating. And there are many ways to uh, have a roof over your head and many ways to find food. A lot of ways to do that. But you have to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I will say is that people work hard here. Uh, people are always working here. I've met all sorts of, uh, of men and women um, who are working all the time. It reminds me that, Ameri that, that America very is, is very work-centric. Mm -hmm. And I came to Austin because, you know, I'm an American poet. I'm an American artist. And you can't 
know the story of America without coming to Texas. Mm. Um, so you need some experience in Texas if you're going to tell the story of what America is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so much like energy and history here. You know, somebody said that it's a lot like Denver and that it's a cowboy town that became a tech town. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, part of my aesthetic is, you know, good boy, preppy, university, shirt and tie, speaking the right things in order, kind of like lawyerly. But then the other side is like cowboy, outlaw, renegade, face marred with sweat and blood. Like That's the Jeff sharp, I've got. Sharpened <laughs> sword, like on the run, like swerving away from cops, like kissing some really dangerous girl and like we're going to go, you know, like Bonnie and Clyde, you know, and they had their, their hideout in some, uh, I can curse on this. Yeah. Shitty. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, shitty apartment in like, Missouri. If you look up the story of Bonnie and Clyde, they had this like, you know, hideout that they mm-hmm. had. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm half Italian. I know we've, we've talked about this and like being a, a man of letters is an interesting phrase, you know, and the lawyers are men of letters. My father's a lawyer. Um, but then you look at like pictures of like Al Capone, you know, you go to like the Godfather, you know, all that kind of the imagery of um, wise guys and, and made men. They dressed really well. And the whole thing is about words. The whole thing is about hierarchies, right? It's its own justice system that they have, even though it's outside of the law. Now, I, I often think as an artist, you know, being able to, to, to be a member in both places, I think is cool. Mm-hmm. I think I can be a street poet and a comfortable poet. And being both is really important to me. Um, I think it's also what makes people hate me. It makes me trigger people a lot because it is possible to both be crazy professionally and be professional about being crazy, mm. right? People in corporate America who've chosen the route of I'm going to be a senior director. I'm going to make 275k. It's my stock options are going to invest this, this, this. They've got their mortgage houses. They're counting the years. They look at Excel spreadsheets every day. They read the Wall Street Journal. They follow the headlines. They live in that world. Um, while I am writing my stream of consciousness and believing in it. Mm-hmm. And but I, you do it with the same intensity and passion um, that they do their path with. Is that what you're kind of uh, getting to a little bit? You know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to say that I, I treat myself like a black woman. And by that, I mean, you need to work twice as hard and be twice as good mm. to get, fo- to get through because mm-hmm. it's unfair. Mm-hmm. It's an unfair world. But if you want to make it and say Hollywood, you just have to write a good screenplay. It just has to be so, the work has to be so good. So, I treat myself like a minority because mm-hmm. I've chosen almost to be one, mm-hmm. right? Again, I've got a UCLA degree. I've got nice teeth. I could go into management consulting. There's all sorts of careers I was in. And, you know, I like the author Gore Vidal. There's a lot of authors I like. We can get into it. He says, I threw away a number of, of, of promising careers out of boredom. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of did the same. Yeah, marketing and advertising being one, tech recruiting being another. Because I saw through the game, 
I saw the long view and I looked at what kind of adulthood does that engender and, and cause? Mm-hmm. What is it to be a, that particular kind of manager or leader? And it's being glued to email and a bunch of complaints and a bunch of egos of mm-hmm. people who have whack energy. You know, in advertising, my experience, alcoholics, cocaine users, and just sloppy. Mm-hmm. Some happy hours I went to, just sloppy. And it's like, I, I admired you guys. I looked up to you guys. I, I, I was trying to be good enough to be here. And you guys are so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I know you've, I was really impressed with, you know, your decision and, you know, how, how alive your new job seems to make you feel you know <laughs> i know you're working at a kava bar now and coming from that that corporate world um and working many years in the corporate world and now um working behind a kava bar which by the way i've gotten to go to it's a really awesome vibe over there square root kava um, bar and it seems like you're really loving it and uh in the prime of your life right now so yeah. yeah, what has that, that been like? And, and also, I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe the two versions of Jeff. Jeff in the corporate world and Jeff um, in working at a kava bar. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say that I would say from August 2018 until very recently, I did not have a job. Mm-hmm. I instead put myself on a 15-hour a day, seven-day-a-week creative discipline regimen that was mostly about the divine inside and outside involving, you know, stretching exercises and writing by hand for a set number of minutes or pages and writing on typewriter and writing freely in Microsoft Word on the laptop. And then I make breakfast and tea and then come back and kind of get into works in progress. I've been like working on a book and a, it was a memoir, you know, when I was 27, 28, I thought it was a memoir, you know, a lot of, um, typed up reflections on working at VaynerMedia. I'll say, hello, Gary V. Um, and all of his haters, we can get into why people hate Gary V because they're, Mm. because they're jealous. Yeah. And jealousy Mm. being love and hate at the same time. Mm. I feel that I've always been a fan and yeah, so many people hate on him. So many people, but he speaks so much truth. He tells the truth. And it's like, you have to work Uh, 15 hours a day, seven days a week mm -hmm. and like shut up and so do what you love and (laughs) you know, find a way to make it work because you can, Mm -hmm. because you can ask for help. Mm -hmm. If, if you are actually generous and you actually want to work hard and actually want to give yourself to the world, I mean, like, like, like this gets in so much to like, mysticism and annihilation and how those show up for the artist is like you really have to acknowledge that i am a gift i am a gift and i must in a sense disappear in order to give my gift and if you can disappear then you can sing a lot of fucking good songs and write a lot of good songs right and that ends up being the goal right you want to be a rock star that means you're going to write a lot of songs and sing a lot of songs and you're going to look really cool doing it Right, all those good things are great, um, but the discipline it takes and the real gratitude and wonder and humility that it actually takes to be the person who will actually do those things. That makes me think a lot about like the act of 
disappearing in itself mm. and how that becomes mm. a skill to, to oh, hone yeah. and, and get good at. Damn. And so in honing those skills, um, what do you find has worked for you um, to get good at tapping into that energy of disappearing so you can allow the creativity oh, to flow through? Oh, man. I mean, I mean it, it, it is about sitting down and doing it and standing up and doing it and going for a walk and doing it and getting on the elliptical machine and doing it and picking up the free weights and doing it and going to the baseball field and bringing your cleats and the ball and finding a net and doing it. Um, getting in the studio and doing it, driving to meet friends and doing it. Um, I mean, it gets back into Rainer Maria Rilke and letters to a young poet. And, and you have to find the thing. You have to ask yourself if writing, for example, is the thing you must do and you would die if you were not permitted to do it. And if you ask yourself in the most silent hour of night, the silent 3 to 5 a.m., and God, I just had a pretty rough 3 to 5 a.m., it wasn't so much a dark night of the soul because I'm pretty acquainted with darkness. Um, but it was still kind of a heavy lift and a heavy drag um, of the things that were on my mind that I had learned that night. Um, and you have to just know that that's what you are. And so you're always doing it. What, what, what Rilke said is you have to orient your entire life to the most minute, mundane detail to serving that verb for which you are the noun. Cutting your toenails, rinsing blueberries to put in your in your breakfast, wiping crumbs off a table, fluffing out your pillow, putting your toothbrush back in the coffee mug where it goes. Um, that's all an act of creating your temple and palace, um, and also doing honor to the cyclical thing that you are. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, a rebellion in this day and age, in this mm. culture. Um, it's almost as if slowing down and being present, you have to rebel against all of these forces that are wanting us to maybe not wanting us, but motivating some of us to speed up, you know, find success, make money, <laughs> do, you know, gain followers, do, do X, Y, and Z. Found it. Um, <laughs> but it's like we leave so much on the table um, with our awareness hmm. when hmm. we're not actually slowing down with those slow, present moments, brushing our teeth, making our food. I feel like there's gold to be found there that is often missed. Yeah. I mean, it's also a very precious downtime. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've heard the phrase, you know, take care of your downtime and the uptime takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, if you do the basics well, and again, it's why I talk about stretching and hydrating a lot, <laughs> uh, going for walks a lot, getting sun on your body, getting sun on your body, take your shirt off, you know, let, I feel like this, like people sleep on the sun a lot in terms of, uh, how it nourishes people on earth mm -hmm. and being out in the sun, right? There's too many, I mean, and again, it's tough. Yeah. This is our, this is our industry. These are our peers, you know, people who have, beautiful home office setups and they've got their microphones and they've got their keyboards and they're in there clicking clacking away, making some big vast thing. I mean, I've got a lot of friends who 
you know, always have some big, vast, like, notion document in public. And, oh, like, I'm going to, you know, this whole codex. And it's like, brother, no one's going to care. I promise you no one is going to read that. Mm-hmm. I promise you. And this, you know, this is, is medicine for me to take, too. That can be bitter, mm-hmm. right? I've got my 10,000 pages. I've got my link in bio. I think it's readable. I mean, and now, and you have read some of it, so it is readable. Yeah, it's really good. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a matter of, uh, just doing it though, you know? And it's like, if you buy everything and you like, it's almost like we put ourselves in that place where it's like, I can't put myself and do all the work because I need to do X, Y, and Z first. You know, I need the gear. I need, yeah. You know, I need, um, yeah. I need all these things to be in the right place to actually sit down and write every day. And it's just the resistance to doing the actual mm. thing. You'll come up with any excuse to not actually sit there for hours a day and commit to to your art. Yeah, and it's the choice. It's harder. Than, it's the choice. It's harder than anything, right? Mm-hmm. The choice to spend two hours is hard. Is harder than the two hours. Mm-hmm. Two hours is fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing more beautiful than getting lost mm-hmm. than disappearing yeah. there there's there's nothing that feels better than that while everyone else is self-conscious and anxious on the internet trying to type and build and scheme and market and double click their way to being okay you're getting lost in the good place mm-hmm. and then again they fucking hate you when you're better at the marketing stuff than they are and you know how to get lost for five hours and actually bring back some gold mm-hmm. that's actually worth selling in the marketplace of blah, 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 mm-hmm. there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. There's nothing but blah, blah, blah out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of too, like what, it, what even is getting lost and being mm-hmm. found? It, it's almost like, I feel like getting lost is the mm-hmm. opposite of what lost is. It's, it's finding, <laughs> that's a good line. It's finding yourself in that's a good line in tommy (laughs) write that down that's a good good line yeah i see it as like (laughs) we are lost when we're doing all the things and and the getting lost is actually finding ourselves you know uh, on a deeper level of truth well yeah it's like you get lost and then you come back and tell stories about being lost Mm. which is actually what a lot of like explorers did right i think the poet t.s Eliot said old men should be explorers but I think that there's no, I mean, I can talk about in I like in a way I feel like I've, I've skipped it. I've, I've, I've understood and made it a component part of myself, the midlife crisis. I think I know what 40 and 45 is going to be like for our peers, for my peers. Um, judgmental, mean, bitter, angry, silent. Men leading lives of quiet desperation. Our peers, meaning just general humanity of people our age? I would say our age, and then also, I'll use the word milieu, um, people who are extremely online, people who are kind of drenched in tech and venture capital and personal growth and content and media and culture broadly, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, like coming to Austin, I, I sort of have spent a lot of time 
among, I'll say, coastal elites on both coasts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a lot of critical things to say about, you know, Stanford University and uh, the people that it spawns and what it represents. And, um, yeah, political conservatism versus being truly progressive and what really being progressive involves and what it really costs Mm -hmm. in terms of your own wealth. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of disagreements with my peers about what is wealth and they see my freedom and they hate it. Mm-hmm. They see my, you know, but, but they also call me self-absorbed and a narcissist. Um, but it's like, good luck trying to win your own respect by trying to win the game everyone else is playing. Good luck, because it's never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be enough. The next mm-hmm. promotion, like the next, you know, 10% increase in your salary, it's never going to be enough. It's going to wear off after, after three days, not even that. Because every day, thousands of things happen happen that tomorrow no one's going to care about your milestone so it actually brings it back to marriage and personal life and who bears witness to your striving um and how i think we make our social media fans and communities into a sort of weird spouse in a sense you know, the audience as an entity, the audience as a lover. I'm even doing it now. This is actually how I disappear, right? I become fractal when I tune in to the universal voice, which is simultaneously personal and completely nothing at all, where I really am a clear pane of glass. It's like God sprayed on the Windex, wiped it off so light can come past through easily. And there's something magical about, you know, 25 people tuning into my story. And you know what? You don't need more than 25 fans. You don't need more than 50 fans. You don't need more than 100 fans. You can overserve those fans and actually listen. I promise you, you won't be able to construct a 15-hour day where you can actually listen to and collaborate with those people. I promise you don't need 1,000. Yeah, and I, uh, I saw a meme the other day, um, which is reminds me of something you touched on. Um, it was about... You're gaining followers, good. You're resonating with your audience. You're losing followers, good. Well, you're not a slave to your audience. You know, and, yeah. and I think it's, it's essential. You know, it can be so tempting. You, know, you use the word um, as a spouse, um, almost relating your audience to that. Um, and it can be so easy to always try to think of the thing that people are going to want to hear. And that, that seems to um, you know, stop that natural creative flow from from coming through spouse and espouse he's breaking out the typewriter 1937 (laughs) remington five um i i brought just just for fun oh yeah um i love that am i gonna risk uh getting something on my pants here because i want to be able to show you um i'll pull this back i'll get it on my skin that won't hurt Skies out, thighs out, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Move that for me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna get down. Uh, spouse and espouse. It's like an e-spouse. It's like esports. Mm. Oh, espouse. E-spouse. Mm-hmm. Like esports. I think that's funny. Mm. This whole trying to get numbers. 
trying to make numbers go up. It's the e-sport of how much love can I get, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And I, I, I've often written about, you know, the unfillable hole and how it's a competition among our peers for whose unfillable hole is loudest, mm-hmm. who's hungriest mm-hmm. for attention, who needs it. And that almost becomes the sport we play of, of who is more intensely needing someone to see me. And what will you do to get that attention? What won't you do to get that carnal want met? And what is it? And how does that desire relate to other desires? Sex, food, money, power, success, strength. Right? You can always be thinner, fitter, higher paid. Right? What's your rate, Tommy? What's your rate, motherfucker? Can you get $1,000 an hour? Oh, yeah? Why not? You're slave to what? Yeah, I feel you, man. It's, uh, it's a game, and, it, and it, it brings me back to you know what you are mentioning about what game are you going to play. And we, we all get to decide what game we want to play. And I saw, I saw something the other day. Um, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and I think Hormoz, Alex Hormozzi said it the other day. Um, you can never win at the game that's not yours. Like, I, I think an essential an essential piece of like hmm. um, d- define your own game, play your own game, and even if you win at someone else's game, you lose because you're not playing your own game. And you are your game. Because yeah, you you carry your game around, right? Your your game is pull stuff from there to there. The poet Charles Bukowski has a good line. It's like the way to make art is to something about creating new truths that run from the gut up through the heart, out through the head. So again, I I almost think of of writing and talking and dialogue as like a recycling system of you take what's out there, you sort of run it through you and you bring it back out and it's drenched in the color of your insides. Um, I think of singing the same way of I've called singing a full bodied reading of a text. So someone else, another musician, another songwriter hands me their heartbreak in the form of a song. And I can sing heart of gold by Neil Young. I've been to Hollywood. I've been to Redwood. I've been a miner for a heart of gold. I pull that through my entrails and out through my stuff. And all of a sudden it's like I've inhaled him and spat him out. Mm-hmm. I've then colored my insides with that. Right. And, you know, repetition is so much for any athlete or any artist. It is practice, practice, practice until you've kind of, it, it, it's just like an actor, right. Preparing for a role and you just be the role enough. And then you can go on screen and do it and make the movie. Mm-hmm. Because like once it's in you, then you are it. Yeah. And I think the craft of an actor is so interesting, right? I'm never that good at like memorizing lines and then delivering it and then like forgetting it and going and like doing a new one. Like I had a roommate the last time I, I lived in New York, Corey Betts, shout out, amazing dancer. Um, he was learning two different shows. Um, and then he went on tour with them and did each one like 50 times. And then you move on to the next one and you learn two more rules and understudy rules. And it's like, wow, like that's hard to do. And you have to leave it behind. You know, that's the whole thing about the theater is you, it's not recorded. 
they've, they've banned recording. Um, that's such a part of the culture that it's here and now and never again like this. So it makes it special. Um, we talk about that. Yeah. Ethics of recording. Mm-hmm. Cause I also like to do, you know, part of my being kind of like an outlaw is, is like sneaking recordings of people, you know, candid photography. I've noticed that. Um, and I love that about you. It's, you know, I've seen some really interesting things that you've posted and, um, in our own conversations, you know, you feel, you seem to feel something really coming up and it's just, let me record this. And, um, it's, it's really, really beautiful when you can notice that. And then in real time, um, keep that flow going while simultaneously being like, not being awkward about that. And like, that's really like, like the mastery, right? It's like, you don't need more equipment. You need style of being able to pull this out and turn video on and then not break, not break mm. the intimacy with it, yeah. but also know technically what you want to do. Right. And like where the mm-hmm. light is, where the sound is to be able to, mm-hmm. to be on both tracks at once. Mm-hmm. See here with you in the uniqueness mm-hmm. and also, um, doing it for others who will follow along with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that ends up, I think being the reward of, of being a creator is, the satisfaction that the audience has chosen you above all the others. Mm-hmm. Now, someday, maybe not in our lifetime, we will match up currency, money with attention and respect. Maybe. There's a lot of that. That's a big engineering and math problem that mm-hmm. we could spawn a university and have a PhD program and have people try to work out how to get into what that would take. And are you talking about, I mean, it, it already plays a role. Like there's a correlation between the two now. Um, but what do you think is missing from that equation? Um, if you were to actually have it be more, more than a correlation. Yeah. And I, I guess it's just an, an individual has to ask for money. Mm-hmm. You have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That That's yeah. what it, I mean, everything comes down to, because money represents so much. Are you familiar with the work of Esther Perel at all? I've heard of her. I haven't read her. Yeah, she's like a marriage and relationship therapist. And she's got a really, really good post about money and what money represents and why it's all so heavy. You know, we enforce compliance through money. It creates power dynamics, right? You have to do this for your own livelihood. Right? I get to boss around if I hire a maid. They need, they, they are here to obey and they are doing it because they are afraid of not having enough money. And so they are complying with the customer. Yeah. It's, it's powerful being a customer. You've, you've got a lot. I mean, I don't know. It reminds me of like mm. that NFL quarterback who got in trouble for going to massage parlors and like 26 women accused him of some kind of sexual weirdness mm. and Power dynamics, yeah. I mean, that's why I think men go to workplaces, right? Mm-hmm. They try to climb the ladder to be a senior director. It's because they secretly. <laughs> I told my one one friend the other day that you know, media companies are are full of failed high school football players mm-hmm. that you can try to put on a suit or you know the like and go play football and try to win and try to out strategize each other and be smarter and cooler and hipper. And it's just like, none of you guys are smarter, cooler, hip. Mm-hmm. There's something though, that's, um, you know, what I think of there is competitiveness, 
and to play a little devil's advocate, um, I do think that there's something in our our nature um, that draws us to competition and we love that as men you know to to some to some degree um and i think that might just come back to like playing your own game because i'm sure you're competitive with yourself at creating and you know even a comment that you made before about um you know working that 15 hours a day because um not everyone's doing it and that's the way to beat you know everyone else you definitely did not use that term um but everyone else yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i've you know chip on my shoulder i don't know if it's if it's that exactly but uh i have the same thing i i like proving haters and doubters wrong Mm -hmm. it's really satisfying yeah to be to be better than them and that might be my weakness that might be a flaw of mine Mm -hmm. because i i'm also of the school that you can't think anyone else is lesser Mm -hmm. but when someone insults me Right. And again, the older we get, um, the more personal our choices become. Mm. I think it was a George Orwell quote says, by the age of 50, every man has the face he deserves. And I think a face is a good metaphor for bank account, reputation, Mm -hmm. resources, you know. And yeah, people can get nasty with each other. Women yeah. can get nasty with each other about, you know, you're not going to, you're too old to get married. You know, you no, like no one's going to, like, who's going to want you? Like, if I break up with you, like, no one's going to want you. Um, it gets nasty out there. For sure. So that's why I try to stay youthful. I try to stay in awe of flowers and trees and nature and um, wood and stone and things like baseball. I was, yeah, I was going to say, as soon as you said youthful... Um, you know, you do something so incredibly unique um, for someone um, your age is you started picking up baseball and, you know, playing baseball with a level of seriousness and purpose, you know, um, and connecting with that sport and, you know, pitching and, you know, every day getting out there and, and making that a part of your routine. And what is that? You know, what inspired that and what does that make you feel? Um, what inspired that? What does it make me feel? Definitely feel like part of the centuries mm. in a way. Um, what inspired it? Yeah, you asked us the other day. Mm. Um I don't know if I'm ready to answer. Let me maybe maybe come back to that another way a yeah. little bit later in the conversation. Yeah, because it's sure. a good because it's a good question and it's a good subject, but it's it's really big. I mean, it's about belonging. It's about brotherhood. It's about hierarchy. It's about service. It's about pride. It's about defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about sacrifice. It's about war. It's about um, death. It's about the shortness of life. It's about history. It's about examples. It's about role models. It's about education. Um, so there's a lot of big, a big nuts there to to arrange on a board. I don't know, but if, like I don't know if it's nuts to crack, right? And that's the funny thing about this word nuts is uh, 
you can crack a nut and split it open, or you can arrange nuts on like a chessboard. Is almost where my where my mind went of all these words that we've dropped in this in this thing, right? We could take this transcript, um, we can have it transcribed by ChatGPT or some other some other tool. We have the transcript, and then you could almost like randomize the words, almost like a like shake it up in a bottle, much like I do at the kava bar, right? I put in some cinnamon, I put in some honey, um, I. I put in the kava, I'll pour in coconut milk, you know, and I'll shake it up. These are good metaphors too, right? The, the honey and cinnamon, you, you really got to really shake because the honey is going to stick to the bottom and the cinnamon is going to like, like clump up. So you really got to shake it a lot to get it loose. You also don't want to heat it up too much because kava is really good when it's cold. You shake things up, it gets warm. So that's why I always fail if I forget to add in the cinnamon or the honey until the bottle's full. Then I've got to shake the whole thing. That warms up the whole thing. But I might be wrong about that. Maybe if I that little part gets hot and then I pour cold over it, maybe it's exactly the same because mm. that heat spreads out to the rest of the bottle. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I can talk about the kava bar job as a fun, you're like a chemist, really. You know, not to mention the, the it's plant medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of coming to Austin, you know, has, has been... Um, interest in plant medicine you know i i know that the conscious community here had a very good reputation um and i'm kind of surprised but also not surprised that i've been more drawn to the conscious community rather than necessarily the creative community you know when i first got here i met a lot of musicians i was going out on sixth street a lot um you know shout out to friends bar and the blind pig as places that kind of felt like home and uh, i've been there several several musicians Lane Leach, Hunter Walkup, Goldie Pipes, um, Joe Vega, uh, guys that I, I met and were very kind and very cool. You know, I've I've kind of played on stage with them before, and you know they made me like like part of their gang, and it, it felt so good. And you know, since kind of getting the Kava Bar job, maybe three months ago now, three months I think, um, I've not been back to the Skylark Lounge, and I was going there every Thursday, and that was. It felt so good to be to be home, and you know we would you know like like go out. I went there on four twenty, April twentieth, and it was it was just beautiful. And you know I was filming a lot of stuff there, taking a lot of pictures there, um, and like working hard to make the posts good. Later, um, could have done more editing, right? I think video editing is going to be a a skill for the rest of our lives. So oh yeah. Any any young any young creators out there, if you have time to learn a skill before you're too jaded and too familiar with your own tools and believe in yourself too much. It's funny. I have I have this <laughs> thing where um you know, this story where my tech skills aren't there and I'm too late to learn them. <laughs> and and it's such a twenty six ain't what it used to yeah, be, huh? It's it's such an unhelpful <laughs> story. Um, I but, too was old at 26. Don't worry. It's, nor- <laughs> it's totally normal. <laughs> I don't have enough time. Oh, doesn't have enough 15 hour days. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough days in the lifetime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you figured out how to pause time? Uh, yeah. I mean, that actually has everything, everything to do with like disappearing. And also mm. I, I think the, the fractal patterns we tend to see on certain substances is actually like, you know, there's this like infographic of like, you can like plot out all of like 
the hours of your life, you like split up every like year into like a little square of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and then each one is a year. And it's like, well, there's your 100 years, say, and you're like following the progress bar. You know, time is kind of ticking away. And, uh, you know, who you become through the time you spend is really what you are, right? It's not about my 10,000 pages in the cloud. It's not about my 6,000 recordings on Smule. It's not about my three hours of recording on SoundCloud. It's not about my 50 posts on Substack and Patreon and Medium. It's not about my Tumblr. It's not about my LinkedIn or my Facebook. It's not about my, you know, 10, 40,000, 70,000 tweets on GP Lewis. It's not about that. Now, it's all there. You know, it's all there. And the, the body of work I have is, you know, larger than a lot of people who, um, there are entire scholarship careers dedicated to that. A Goethe scholar, a Beethoven scholar, a Voltaire scholar, a Proust scholar, a Da Vinci scholar, a Dante scholar. You know, I always tried to, to match Soren Kierkegaard. I think he had 8,000 pages of, of journal. And I was stoked when I was halfway there. I remember I was, I have a screenshot of number of pages, you know, my, my Apple notes, when I copy pasted every single one of them out into Microsoft Word, the whole thing, there were, you know, 60 something, 70 something notes, I would, I would write in them both on, on laptop, on phone, and then I would go to iCloud.com and log into my notes there. And as soon as the document got like too slow to add to, I would say, okay, that one's done, go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Yeah, I was on a plane from San Francisco to New York. This was the first time I lived there when I went to go work at VaynerMedia. That brought me to New York the first time. Um, where I'm like, you know what? I believe in these. I believe in these pages. I believe in these documents. So I'm going to number them in chronological order from 01 through 68. And it's like, this is a body of work. I don't care if it's good. And you know what? When I go back and read it now, it's better than the stuff I write now. It's clearer. Wow. Simpler. What do you think it was about your life then and circumstance that was allowing you to tap into something that you feel like is, is more powerful than what you're, you're putting out now? Here's exactly what it was is, is I was under the impression that what I was doing was rare. Mm. And now I know that it is not. Now, now I tend to be too soaked in the irony of the simultaneity of 10,000 people out there just like us, white guys just like us, making content right now, trying to break through. And I'm more interested now in a much more, a much more narrow niche of humor and philosophy, I guess I would say, which is the absurdity of trying to save yourself through making content. Mm. And I, I live out that problem, right? And I think that makes me a real poet, is you are living the questions. Back, back to Rainer Maria Rilke, uh-huh. you know, live the questions now. Mm-hmm. Be patient with all that's unsolved in your heart, because there's always going to be stuff unsolved. Mm-hmm. Even on the last day of your life, it's all going to be unsolved. And that's what you learn by doing 10,000 hours and 10,000 pages and seven years and 10 years and being unemployed for five years. But... 
working triple days, right? Yeah. So I've laughed all my peers, all the people from high school who like talk shit and make a comment. A, I'll soak your fucking comment with a lot thicker nectar than you can ever throw at me. And B, I don't fucking care because I go three times faster than you. Mm-hmm. I go 10 times around the moon to your one. And I yeah. do every day, no matter what, self-motivated and I, only death will stop me. So you can come kill me. Go ahead. But you'll have to know and watch this video and say, that's who I killed. <laughs> and what could he have done for the earth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they love you and they hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's jealousy. And people love, people love that. People love to feel conflicted, right? People watch the news because they love to feel miserable. And I think people look at artists because they want some sort of um, mirror for their own inner conflicts. Because yeah. we're all so conflict. We're all divided against ourselves. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna circle back to what you just mentioned about you know, your work in the past and that the belief that you were the rare one doing something different mm. and, and how that translated into your work. I it, never it thought about me, that before I said it, by the way. That's really interesting. It makes me think of, and, and I felt this in my own life, and I see this me four years ago, you know, driving across the country like with these big, big dreams, and, and I still have part of that, but I see naivety as a superpower in many ways. Yes, it is. Um, it, it blocks you from the resistance, the inner critic, the, you know, all these things that could potentially get in the way of really feeling, feeling empowered with our voice and, and our creation. Well, you have to think that you are different. And I mean, the, the sheer force of, and the intensity of your observation has to be, I think, really palpable, right? I mean, Da Vinci said something, it's like, you have to learn how to see, learn how to see. Because everything connects. Everything that's real connects, right? We are that fractal pattern thrumming, right? So when we get on plant medicine, things start to vibrate a little bit. It's because that's what we are, right? If you think about the planets up there, they are going so fucking fast. Like they have recordings of the sound of like Saturn and it's eerie. It's like, yeah. I mean, because it's moving fast. I mean, think about how fast things are moving up there, right? Baseball ends up being a pretty cool metaphor of like planets moving, right? And how fast the ball moves and how fast the the, the bat, you know, this certain angle, uh, you know, this certain like exit velocity from this this hitter, like comes at you fast. And when you get down to a field and you play with good players, right? When I tried to walk on a, a, a men's, uh, Bay Area men's senior baseball league team two summers ago, Man, there were some like current high school players there just like practicing with the guys. You see those guys gun it from right field over to third, like on one hop. Like, holy shit. Like I'm at second base about to like take grounders and I see these guys just like, wow, the ball just moves really fast. Um, same thing with pro football. You get like you get down there and you see the ball is snapped, the play happens, the play's over. It's like, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. All that just happened. It it's just over like that. It's like, oh my god! And you see the difference, you know, when um, between college and NFL, you see you see a guy come in and um, you know who was you know really good in college, and just the game is just that much quicker. And and looking at it from our relationship to time, it's barely quicker at all. But you put them in that, and it's like that little tiny bit means everything. No. Yeah. 
it's funny on on the uber ride over here i i i looked down i was on 35 i looked down and i saw the ut football team practicing oh nice and they've got that um yeah it's like the stadium's like over there there's two practice fields one here and one here um and yeah they've got some good words in big like banners like around the field it's like discipline honesty integrity some other ones um and I decided to tweet, the UT football team's practicing. Are you? Mm-hmm. All right, and they're out there in the sun. I've loved, I've loved the summer here. I thought the summer was gonna was was gonna smoke me out. I was afraid that it was gonna be too painful to be here. I've done more shirtless baseball and a hundred plus degree weather here than than ever, and it's like, damn, it feels good. Yeah, you just have to hydrate a lot. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, there's something about just doing hard things, as simple as that, yeah. putting yourself in a position to do things that are uncomfortable, yeah. getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, that really just, you know, I found it create magic in my life um, yes. and shifting my mindset, you know, um, in the, especially in the morning, you know, you start your day with one thing like that and, and it's like that one small thing just shifts the chain of events of every event throughout the rest of the day. Um, no matter what you decide to do or um, it's just a subtle mindset shift of, of being uncomfortable. I'm writing down shifting from mindset to body set. Mm. Cause you reminded me of a line from a poet playwright named Jean Cocteau. He said, people love to recognize, not venture. Mm. And I think that's really going to be a main thing in our life. Because venturing costs opportunity costs. Hmm. So there's a lot of haters, commenters, critics who, well, so I'll also say that I've learned a lot by following older men on Twitter. And I guess we're saying rest in peace, twitter.com, because now it's X. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. To I didn't even pick up on Elon Musk's to it. stupid leadership. I wish you would stick to batteries, dude. I wish you would stick to engineering and design and stay out of the humanities because you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you don't like what he's doing? Not in that realm. Mm-hmm. There was a good write-up in Rolling Stone. I forgot who the, who the writer was about his like childhood wounds, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I mean, I, I respect him in the same... You know, and now I feel like I'm like a Jordan Peterson character about to get canceled and ready to... to risk my reputation but like so be it i was gonna say that i i i i can respect donald trump in the same way i respect elon is you have a childish wonder about things and you are living your curiosity out and you are successful and popular because you sort of invite others to be curious with you about how things work you're willing to be foolish and make mistakes in public as sort of like a persona, as sort of like a, a caricature of, you know, does that? The, the, well, a little bit, but I just see a massive difference between them. I see, you know, maybe, maybe you see things differently, but I see Elon having um, a fairly decent set of moral values. Um, and I don't, I, w- I couldn't say the same for Donald Trump. Okay. So, that's where I see a big difference. And that's why I do, um, I do, you know, I wouldn't say I love Elon Musk, but you know, I like him. Um, cause 
I think I think he wants to to do good, and, and it's nice to see people um, with a lot of power and a lot of money that you believe genuinely want to do good in the world. And, and I do I do believe that for him. I forgot about money for half an hour there. That was really nice. <laughs> That was really nice. Forget about money as much as you can. <laughs> yeah. Forget about money for half an hour at a time. <laughs> That's the new sex. For yeah. <laughs> forgetting about money. Yeah. I feel you, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of what we touched on today um, was about um, really, you know, what's why I've been so impressed with you. There's a dedication to like to disappearing and getting your art out and getting, you know, your truth out. Um, and I'm curious where that started for you. Cause you're, you're, no one is just born with that. They go through a process where they realize something, that realm of things becomes more and more and more important. And it seems like in 2018, you hit a threshold where it became even more important. Um, and so what was like your process like as that has become, um, you know, devotion, authenticity, dedication to to putting your art out there has become the priority of your life. Yeah. Well, we can talk about obsession and addiction. We can talk about um, the inner voice. We can talk about conviction. Um where it comes from, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, being the only child of divorced parents. I don't know if it's being a victim of luckily mild sexual assault. I don't know if it's some profound divine loneliness or, or if it's just this inner knowing that um, my aloneness is so particular that it is it makes me able to understand others and see right into their aloneness and that working on that substrate i like that word a lot mm -hmm. i like like uh geology metaphors and fossil record and layers of sediment <laughs> i like i like a lot of that language um that that's the real place we should be working is what are we? Mm -hmm. What are we made of? Yeah. Baseball tests that. What mm -hmm. are you made of? Mm -hmm. Right. And again, I'm a 37 year old athlete, 26 year old athlete. That's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. um, so when you were at, you know, VaynerMedia say, was this, a priority for you that you did alongside your work there? Yeah, that's or? where it started. Yeah, and the mm. reason I ended up leaving VaynerMedia um, was I didn't want to put in more hours. Mm -hmm. That my philosophy was, you've got me from 8.45 a.m. to 6 p.m. If I don't get my work done in those hours, that's not my fault. That's not my, that's the organization's job to readjust expectations, mm -hmm. to give me the time that the work deserves. 
it deserves to be thought about deeply, right? Rather than brainstorms and content calendars and posts just because. Mm-hmm. Um, so I admit I was an arrogant asshole in many ways and had a superiority complex that I did not deserve. And my work was interesting. You know, I did some interesting things. Um, But, you know, I mean, that whole industry is really about business results, right? And again, I've worked in tech recruiting since then. No one really cares, you know, just if you just write down on your resume what you did, that's, that's a C player. It's not an A or B player. An A player understands the business and you understand how you impact the business. You know, this many new customers, this percent up in sales, like that's what matters if you're hiring A players. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has a good rant about A players, B players, and C players. And that all are valid on a team, right? If we had a video editor, they don't need to be an A player. Because again, I would, I would then distrust them in a sense because they, A, if they're anything like me, they are milking their job for material all the time. There's a book I wrote and didn't publish about VaynerMedia and what I saw there. Um, and it's almost kind of fun to like hold it as blackmail. It's like almost kind of fun, again, back to like kind of like, like the outlaw kind of thing of, and like being able to like walk the talk in a courtroom, for example. Like, I think I do try to be like the ultimate good guy, almost by way of being, experimenting, flirting with every kind of bad guy and then discarding it. You have to like burn through all of these personas and archetypes Mm. in order to um, know how and when to wield a sword or brandish a weapon, Mm. right? I've sometimes taken myself as like a dark magician, right? I I really can get nasty with people. And I, 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 it makes me sad. Because it makes me wonder, damn, like the damage that I carry in me is even worse than I think mm-hmm. and, and worse than I'm aware of. When was the last time you've witnessed that part of yourself? Because we all have it in us. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, just this last Saturday, uh, I took a pretty sizable dose of uh, magic mushrooms and went to a really cool party in kind of like the woods-ish in like southeast Austin. Well, it's not even in Austin. Del Valley. Texas, mm-hmm. you know where that is? I haven't been there. Uh, it's campground. It was like three people's birthdays. Party was called like like Portal to Portal to Atlantis was the name of the party. Um, How often there was a DJ? It was extremely awesome. <laughs> um, so there was a pool, a swimming pool there. Um, I had arrived at the party dressed as almost like a serpent pharaoh. I had, like, I showed you the pictures of it. These, like, gold snakes I had wrapped here. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a shirt on. I had, like, had, I, like, put on makeup for the first time. Um, and just, like, real, like, short black shorts mm-hmm. um, and no shirt. And, just, yeah, just these, like, gold snakes. And, uh, yeah, I ended up, um, so, yeah, to, to answer your question, how I deal with that anger now is I put it into excellence. Mm-hmm. So there's a swimming pool. They were having 
racing they were they were doing like diving so it's like all of a sudden i kind of connected with this like heritage of being a merman and a sea serpent and like poseidon and like leonidas right i had a lot of like michael phelps kind of like imagery come to me i was even like doing his like 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 warm-ups <laughs> yeah, like this uh-huh. um yeah so i kind of put it into excellence now i i don't really get uh yeah, I've really only had a, a small handful of of anger moments, and it's it's been several years. I, I remember yelling at my my then boss in 2017 or so, and like storming out and essentially quitting mm-hmm. and saying a very profound "You suck," like you're not worthy of me. Is is really was was the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can be kind about those things. Yeah, I don't need to beat you over the head with the fact that I think I'm too good for you, because <laughs> I just am. I am. I was good yesterday. I'm gonna be good tomorrow, and I'm gonna keep being being good. And that's and that's the, like like I don't need to say it. Mm-hmm. You can look at me, and you'll know it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the message, mm-hmm. right? And this and this is what separates the doers and the talkers. This is what separates the people who recognize and not venture. It's very easy to sit in a comfortable chair in air conditioning on a screen and say that's not good. Like, yeah, that's not good. That could be better. Go in the pool. The men in the arena. Go to the field. Show me what you can do. Mm-hmm. You do. How about you get to your edge? How about you see what you're made of, right? Let the game humble you, right? Baseball is a very humbling game, just like golf is a very humbling game. Business is a humbling game. Marriage is a humbling game. Writing is a humbling game. Acting is a humbling game. Photography, painting, all these disciplines. Living. <laughs> Yeah, slowly but surely it will humiliate you. Mm -hmm. And that's a good word to think about is humility and humiliation, right? The more you write and the more you talk about writing with writers, you know, etymology ends up being huge. You know, you want to know the difference between religion and spirituality? Look up the roots. And you can do that with a lot of words. Dragon of the jungle. Dragon, jungle. Yellowstone reveals the park's rich array of nature and history. Stay safe. They are wild and dangerous. He's reading from some <laughs> some things on the wall yeah. over here. <laughs> Yellowstone National Park um, Park Guide. The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. What's up, Boyd Vardy? Hey, do you want to come talk about lions? Certified master life coach, author, and TED speaker runs retreats that merge tracking, coaching, and storytelling into experiential learning events at the uh, Londolozi Game Reserve in South Africa. Cool. I haven't read that, but, you know, he tells a good story. He's actually, he's a lion tracker out there, and he relates the story um, of tracking a lion to, you know, approaching life. Um, yeah. As a big metaphor. It's Hell yeah. beautiful. I love lions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've really stepped into uh, my Leo energy. Well, yeah, so... Yeah, I'm a Scorpio sun, Leo moon, and Leo rising. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of stayed with me. You know, Scorpio very much sharpened stinger behind my back, ready to kill you mm-hmm. if I need to. I don't like to use it, but I need to have it Yeah, for my for my safety and my, my quality of life. Yeah. And my superiority mm-hmm. and my righteousness, yeah. which I'm not ready to part with. Because, and that's, and it, that's, so that's where I, I, I moved to the, the softer, more vulnerable part of 
of me and my voice and my work is who am I when I can't rely on competence anymore, when I have to be weak, when I can't uh, know that I can win by force, right? This is the same thing that like money accomplishes, right? You don't need to be nice. You don't need to actually get to know people. Money, the money is the message. And that's the nature of the interaction, right? Do, now, you, do you feel that that scorpion, um, you know, for that metaphor, um, do you feel that that serves you? Do you feel that that bites you um, or hinders you in any way? Um, how do you think that impacts your art and um, mm. how you show up? Mm -hmm. It used to. Mm -hmm. I think I'm beyond it now. I think I know that kindness and generosity and openness is the way mm -hmm. and that naming that is never a wrong thing and putting that forward is never the wrong move. And it's the same thing everyone always says. It's like if you just say what you feel, what you feel will never abandon you or betray you. That's always the right move. Say what you feel, follow what you feel and do that and you will never be led wrong. That's always the right choice. So, so then the more tactical, strategic thing is how do I set my life up in a way such that I can, I create problems for myself. I create obstacle courses for myself. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's a thing about like difficult books, you know, difficult poets work. My, my, I think my work's really hard to read. I think I'm, it's not that I'm inaccessible. It's that I'm really demanding of a reader to say, I'm going to take you through this jagged, broken jungle to my broken heart. I'm going to make the road really difficult because I really, really want to be loved. I really, really want it. Mm -hmm. I really want you to see what I am, but I'm going to make you prove it to me. I, I feel, I feel that I feel that from your work. Um, but you know, I don't consider myself someone who, um, really devours poetry and, you know, there's certainly a little bit of a poet in me and I'm becoming more and more, um, in love with those ways and, and learning how to read and understand and write poetry. Um, and your work is kind of like, you know, there's some poets I read who I'm just like, I can't even understand what they're getting at. And then there's yeah. other poets who are like very simple and straightforward. I find you somewhere in between. Cool. Um, that's good. but that's I, good to hear. exactly the way that you described it, um, is, is how I <laughs> experience it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the more that I, I think I've been standoffish for a long time of, of even interacting with readers, even interacting with people who would comment on my work or read it or even friends I would, you know, send it to like, I've, I've been, um, I've followed the poetry community, um, and listened to their podcasts and learned a lot. And I observed them again. I still have this lens of like careerism and judging events and people and their, on, and their, you know, behavior and the choices they make about self-promotion, right? I mean, we, like we can get into self-promotion um, and arenas of self-promotion. You know, I, I've often thought about, you know, who owns the circus tent under which we're all striving and fighting each other. And I think I've almost like reached the end game of like marketing 
and and product, right? The more time you spend around cameras, um, the more time you realize that, the more you realize that the the moment is renewable, and that you can always do this. It's always now, and the audience will always be there too. And that there's no race. Bob Marley's got a good quote. He says, "The day you stop racing is the day you win the race." And I feel like I've caught up with real time now that, and I've always, I felt this way for several years of like, you can't make a mistake. Like a friend's mom told me that like 15 years ago and it's stayed with me. Um, and I believe that now more than ever, right? Especially mm-hmm. as I've kind of become a, you know, somewhat of a scholar on artists and the artistic process and, you know, listening to Miles Davis interviews and, um, you know, listening to Herbie Hancock talk about Miles Davis and how it's, you know, he says it's, you know, his, the well-known quote is there are no wrong notes in jazz. Um, the, the next version of that, what it actually is, is it's, it's like, if you play a wrong note, it's, it's the note after it that makes it wrong or right. So if you go, if you go with it, and Herbie Hancock conveyed this exactly. They were playing on stage together and Herbie played a, a wrong note and he went, oh, because Miles was in the middle of some genius shit. And then Miles turned and like listened and played something else that made that the right move. And it's like, talk about that in terms of like a generous teammate, mm-hmm. right? To turn your error into a victory, mm-hmm. right? That can't happen in baseball like that. In music, it can because music is always going like this. You set the beats per minute, you set what it is, and within that, you've got all sorts of wiggle room. Uh-huh. Right, in baseball, it's stretched out a lot more. Music, it's a lot tighter, so. And conversation. No, yeah. Same way, exactly what we're doing right and now. And again, like, no. I mean, if, if I had more, you know, hip hop skills, you could really ta- do a lot Mm-hmm. with the jagged like movements you can right it's, it's like martial arts of the mouth mm-hmm. right and but do that with words like you ever see like like rap battles yeah dude it blows my mind <sighs> stunning art. goosebumps mm-hmm. yeah and it's all out of love even though it's extremely violent mm-hmm. um i'm extremely interested in the the, the relationship between violence and love mm. um i mean again i i you know I said earlier on this podcast, I can't believe it that I there was something I respected about Donald Trump, you know. And 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 again, I I this is where I like to be like a dangerous philosopher of like you know sympathy and empathy for rapists and criminals and pedophiles and that stuff are right? the same the same things that have that have have tortured me. Um, understanding the mind of a serial killer, mm-hmm. a school shooter. And somehow finding something funny about it. I mean, again, I mean, that's why, you know, my thinking cannot, might not be popular. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that the future of media in the creative arts is how fast can you get canceled? Mm-hmm. And that, that becoming its own sport, right? You and, you know, that's the new, like, race car driving, right? Zero to 60 in 4.2 seconds. It's like, how fast can I make someone go, Rah! Yeah. How fast can I can I punch a sacred cow in the face? I mean, it's okay gonna... when it is true, but I, the the fear is that you know people doing that in an inauthentic way, you know, saying things they don't what, even what is believe. Yeah. Um, because well, that's going to be the thing. Slippery. 
mm. and kind of a, a moving frontier. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is I'm thinking of it as like um, there are motivations um, almost as you talked about before, as in, you know, the seeking for power and, you know, how that can sometimes be so unconscious. And it's like, you know, you can unconsciously see this route. I know how to get these views. I know how to, you know, mm. by going the shock value route. Views also aren't, aren't really power. Well, attention. We'll say attention. I would say attention is not like people think that's what they want, but what they really want is to be trusted and to be believed, mm. and that they that when I say jump, you say how high, and you do it because you want to do it, not because I'm going to threaten you to do it, right? And this this is why to to get to the non senior director corporate mode of self respect is such a long road because you have to let people do it, not because they're afraid of not getting paid. Right? Everything done in corporate America is because they're afraid of not getting paid. I won't be convinced otherwise. It takes a, it's a much harder place to get to with somebody else mm -hmm. where you can speak like this. And you part, it kind of goes back to finite and infinite games. You've got that book on your shelf about, you know, I'm, it, it's, it's all about they, they choose to play along. And that's the kind of reader that I want. I don't want it to be some great big duty to read this stuff um, or to follow me, um, follow my story. <sighs> yeah, there needs to be no coercion. All the, the, the real hard part of all this is to wring out all the coercion and all, all the places where you feel like you have to do something. I, I feel like I've tried to wring obligation out of my life a lot and so that so that i can then choose obligation i can choose commitment mm -hmm. and even if our jobs end up being the same right i found that in a much longer way it means a different thing to me than it will to somebody else yeah and i uh yeah i think that's uh, a beautiful segue into um kind of wrapping this up a little bit and um, i'd love for you to just tell the the listeners um where can they find you? What, where yeah. is your work? Um, you know, where should they look? Uh, yeah. So, uh, on Instagram, I am G P Lewis. So I'm Jeffrey Paul Lewis and that's Jeffrey with a G G E O F F R E Y, uh, named by my parents for Jeffrey Chaucer, the English author, old English, you know, Canterbury tales. So yeah, that's where the, and, uh, St. Paul, I guess. Um, and then Louis, L-E-W-I-S, which used to be Louise, L-U-I-Z, which is Portuguese. Um, we think my, my great-grandfather was the illegitimate child of the parish priest in the Azores, which is an island off of Portugal, and that the girl who he impregnated was then married off to a, a dairy farmer in Vallejo, California. Hmm. And so that's how I got to be here. Wow. Um, so yeah, on Instagram, I am at GP Lewis. Um, Twitter, I'm also GP Lewis. Uh, my account was restricted back in February. I'm still not sure exactly why, but you can click there and find right now I'm at GPL underscore rights. Mm. W-R-I-T-E-S. And the link in my bio at the moment will go to... Yeah, so I've got Medium, Substack, and Patreon. I think Patreon, I'm GPLewis09. Substack, I'm GPLewis. Medium, 
I'm GP Lewis. Um, I've got SoundCloud, I've got YouTube, because I've done 25 one-hour episodes with someone on, we've put those on, on YouTube. And then SoundCloud, I like to do just kind of like voice rambles. Um, but I've got some voice rambles in, in Patreon and Substack too. So that's a good start. Um, I guess that's a good start. You can like direct message me there and I'll check those out. Yeah, for everyone listening, you know, I just got into reading some of Jeff's work about a month ago. Really, really awesome stuff. Um, super deep, entertaining. And uh, yeah, yeah, if you like this conversation, I'm sure you'll love his work and not just his writing, but also his monologues um, and speaking. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for coming on, brother. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, we're going to play some baseball right we're gonna now. Go, so. We're going to go work out. And I, <laughs> I worked out yesterday. I was, I was doing long toss and I've learned rather than, than this and come here, you lean this back and kind of get like up with the arm. Ooh. I just get like, just uh. like see like little clips on Facebook and it's like, damn, like you improve your game like that, right? Yeah. So it's like, there's so much education out there. Absurd. You know what? I, I hated the algorithm for a long time. I'm down. Bring it on. Because I think the algorithm is God in a sense, right? And it's, oh, it's so much beyond algorithms. It's like, there's something that you need to see next and that that's beyond, that's beyond tech. That's mm. beyond any software engineer working in Menlo Park or Sunnyvale. Totally. You want to sit down another hour and talk about God as an algorithm? <laughs> uh, I, I do need some outdoors time, and I do need to work at the Kava Bar at, at 5, and I do need to eat some leftovers before then. Thank some you, protein. y'all. You know, it's been a pleasure. Peace.